Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. night they're now the only undefeated team in the nfl good morning to you very good morning i would imagine i'm dan kovacic of dk pittsburgh sports and this the newly reborn dk sports radio podcasting network coming to you from nashville where the steelers beat the titans here yesterday 27 24 on, depending on your perspective, either a great first half or a second half in which they got really lucky and Steven Goskowski missed what would have been a tying field goal as time elapsed. That game could very easily be dissected, no, 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 wait, bisected any number of ways, mostly with the extremes between the first half and the second half. I come here, though, I come here primarily to defend the defense. I can't imagine too many people who listen to this will agree with me because some of the optics were bad, again, especially in that second half. When you consider that in the first half, the defense was, you know, barely on the field. The first quarter, Tennessee had one yard. One yard, mostly because they weren't out there. But when they were, the defense really got after it. Just went crazy after Ryan Tannehill uh, doubled up on Derrick Henry in that regard, which is something that You'll recall on, on the show last Friday, I was really hoping that they would do come and seal the edge and just collapse on the entire pocket and not worry which of Henry or Tannehill has the ball. They did that just beautifully. Uh, primarily, T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, and Vince Williams. Wow, did Vince Williams have a first half. And that's exactly what you'd hope for in that situation. Those are good run stoppers. In, in Vince's case, I believe he's a great run stopper. They got after it. They didn't just keep the Titans at bay. They punished them. They hit them. They were the aggressors. So the second half comes along. The Titans nearly overcome a 20-point deficit. Which, by the way, I had no idea about this until somebody mentioned it 
inside the press box at Nissan Stadium yesterday, the Steelers had never blown a 20-point lead like ever in their history. This almost happened. So uh, optics, right? So the Titans get the 73-yard pass play from Tannehill to A.J. Brown. And that makes the score 27 to 14. This is fairly early in the third quarter. This wasn't a great look. But notice I keep referring to optics and look. The pass by Tannehill goes through Vince Williams' raised arm. And thus it kind of looks like Vinny was trying uh, to defend the pass or had a shot at defending the pass. It's really not what happened. Vinny was close to the line of scrimmage, and he had his arm up just because you're taught to put your arm up. Uh, he had zero chance to physically react, to do anything reflexive to the actual pass. So it gets past him, and it makes it into Brown's hands. Uh, routine crossing pattern. Minka should have stepped on it, Minka Fitzpatrick. He should have been more aggressive, a term I keep using when I'm criticizing him. Because the Steelers just have him, and I, I believe this is at least partly due to the coaching staff and to Keith Butler. They have him just way too flat-footed. So here again, he was just standing there kind of waiting for something. Well, the thing that you're waiting for is a safety in the middle of the field is a receiver coming across the middle of the field, especially when that receiver happens to be the other team's star wideout. And Brown comes across, makes it way too easy. Minka's not close enough, but then Minka also slips. Once that happens, the play's shot. Uh, Brown has world-class speed. Uh, he blows through Joe Hayden and Terrell Edmonds trying to get him from behind. Had no chance play is gone unless he was going to pull a Daniel Jones right so right off the bat you, you have a ew, gee something's wrong here something's off so the Titans get legitimate momentum off of this and as evidence the Steelers had their first three and out right after that and you're thinking wow really great time for a three and out fellas so the Titans get a field goal off an interception, and then Derrick Henry punches home a one-yard touchdown. This was in the fourth quarter with 10-13 left. And there's just this queasy feeling that the defense isn't what it was in the first half. And it wasn't. It wasn't. What it was in the first half was a pack of rabid Animals trying to eat people in the Tennessee backfield. That can't be sustained. That's not normal. And what I'm saying is doubly true when you're facing a legit top three offense in the National Football League. Tennessee didn't get to 5-0 and by accident. Tennessee didn't get to 5-0 and through anything remotely involving that awful defense. Tennessee got to 5-0 and because they can score a ton of points and they can score against some opponents at will. So they did make a couple of the Titans good adjustments 
Tannehill started moving the ball a lot faster. His release time changed so much between the second and third quarters. And they did put up these points. The touchdown that I mentioned by Henry came on a 12-play, 70-yard drive. I mean, they, they started moving. There were six first downs on that one. That's that's pretty much the way Tennessee goes against most teams. The reason that I'm saying all this is because as I'm flipping here through my book, they call these books at the uh, in the press box. It's a gigantic compilation of everything that happens in the game statistically. I'm flipping to the page here that's got the team statistics on it. But first I'm going to read you the individual statistics. Ryan Tannehill, who'd been statistically, other than Russell Wilson, probably the best quarterback in the NFL uh, through the first portion of this season, went 18 for 30 for 220 yards. Uh, the two touchdowns, no picks. He, he hardly ever throws interceptions. But that's pretty much just an ordinary day. There's nothing special about that. Derrick Henry had 75 yards on the ground on 20 carries. It was his second lowest rushing total over his past 16 games. A.J. Brown had six catches for 153 yards, and it's not like the big one for 73 doesn't count, but if you take that out, you know, not, not, not that big of a day. I thought the defense held up really well against this opponent. When you get into some of the weirder stuff that occurred, remember the ball that sailed through one receiver's hands and ended up in the other? Um, There were other fluky plays that went Tennessee's way. There were some uh, penalties that went Tennessee's way when they had the ball. There was the occasion where the Titans went down to the Steelers' goal line and needed like 10 cracks to get in and a bad Minka penalty as long as I'm picking on Minka the defensive holding right down at the goal line it gave them a whole new set of downs and allowed Henry to get over the goal line overall I thought this was very encouraging for this defense you know who doesn't agree with me yeah that's right the defensive captain here's what Cam Hayward who hates everything had to say yeah, I don't take it for granted, um, but there's a way that we like to play. And, you know, there was, you know, there's a lot of meat on that bone, as Coach likes to say. Um, and, you know, I'm fine saying that. You know, I believe in the guys we got, um, you know, and I'm confident we can do more. Uh, you know, I look forward to answering the call next week. You know, that's fine. That's Cam. That's who he is and what he is. Remember, Cam is the guy who, even after beating the Browns by 31 points, found several flaws in the team's general performance. I'm here to defend them because in addition to everything else I just mentioned, they played for the first time without Devin Bush, who was their signal caller, and also the guy who was across the middle of the field that might have made a big difference, not least of which, I should add, was on that 73-yard touchdown. They also played without Mike Hilton, We all fussed so much 
last week over the Steelers missing Bush, and and rightly so, but the team's leading tackler was Hilton. The team's most effective blitzer from the secondary, no, 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 they're, they're really the only blitzer from the secondary, and he's so good at it, is Hilton. His not being there, I thought, made a difference. That's not to say that Cam Sutton played badly in his place. I thought Sutton actually had a terrific game. But you'd like to have Sutton in addition to Hilton or vice versa. This defense does have a couple of things that it could pick up and learn from this game. There are things that they could do better. T.J. Watt would later go on to say that he was troubled by their run defense in particular in the second half. But again, it was Derrick Henry who only does that to everybody. And he did a lot less of it to the Steelers than he does to other teams. Overall, they were very, very good. They got out of it apparently without much damage in the way of injury. Now they have to face, uh, yeah, Baltimore next week. And that's what we'll be talking about next. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome back. It's not too soon to start looking ahead the next game that being this coming Sunday 1pm in Baltimore against the Ravens not that this will need any kind of build up or hype from the outside it's that big a deal to those guys on the inside and it's not a stretch at this point to suggest that the two games that they play against the Ravens out of the next five will really be what defines this regular season. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by our friends at the personal injury law firm of Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George, or LGKG. They represent people who are hurt in car accidents, who need help with workers' comp, who filed medical malpractice claims, the attorneys at LGKG pride themselves in doing what they say they're going to do. It's important to them that when they make you a promise, they keep it. They've been doing that for 80 years. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, Elwood City. You can learn more about them online, too, at lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. Think of these two games against the Ravens as kind of a Baltimore sandwich with not much meat in the middle. It's going to be Cowboys, Bengals, and Jaguars in the middle. So it's really like a 
best of two against the Ravens with a few exhibitions thrown in. I know no one's going to say that associated with a team. They're probably not even allowed to think it. They shouldn't think it. That doesn't stop us from talking about it. These games against Baltimore are going to determine very obviously the AFC North champion. Please don't waste my time or anyone else's by discussing the Browns being 5-2. and two. We saw what the Browns are really all about. And the fact that they beat the Bengals by a field goal yesterday, no thanks. There are two teams in the AFC North that are arguably two of the top three teams in the conference if you want to throw the Chiefs into that mix, and you obviously should. The Steelers could do something absolutely magical if they take both of the Baltimore games. And as such, I'm having a hard time with it. I just am. Um, I've picked the Steelers to win all six weeks that they've won. Some weeks it was easier than others. I actually thought this Tennessee game was kind of an easy one because I knew they were going to score points. I didn't foresee, and I should have, the minus three turnover differential because the Titans lead the league in that category. They're now a plus nine in that area. But the Baltimore games, I don't know. This is tough. and we, There's no rush here. We have a whole week to look ahead to this thing. And there are a lot of different things to examine along the way, not least of which is how much of a factor will it be from the negative perspective that the Ravens had the bye. That actually does tend to hurt teams, especially in the first half of the first game back. There's just no way to mimic game action in all the time that you're idle. So the Steelers will at least have that. They'll have been coming off their toughest game to date, their biggest challenge. They'll be feeling good about themselves and everything else. And they'll have learned something, theoretically, from what went wrong in the second half here. But picking this game? Eek. How do you do that, you know? I mean, I watched the Ravens game where they got blown out by Kansas City, too. That looked like a very flawed offense. I watched Lamar Jackson get shut down by Mike Vrabel's Titans in the playoffs using essentially a carbon copy of the defense that the Steelers used to limit Lamar Jackson last year. They don't allow running quarterbacks to run. That's just how they are. They will sacrifice anything and everything to keep a quarterback in the pocket, and they have the people to do it. You saw yesterday the way TJ and Bud kept everyone involved in the Tennessee backfield contained. The same will apply in Baltimore. That means that they're going to force Lamar Jackson to put the ball in the air. Well, that was an absolute disaster against Tennessee in the playoffs last year. It was an absolute disaster against Kansas City earlier this year. Then again, Lamar's had other performances where he looked wonderful throwing the ball. I shouldn't say that. He always looks a little awkward throwing the ball, but sometimes he'll get good results out of it. It's just never a good-looking ball. You know what I'm saying? 
this is this is a tough one, and it's, it's going to be dictated a lot, I think, over the course of the week by um, injuries, availability. Although the Steelers appear to have come out of this one yesterday, okay. I'm just, I don't know. I'm not looking forward to making a pick on this one. That's what I'm trying to tell you right now, and it's it's going to take me until probably Friday or Saturday to come up with the courage to offer it. In the meantime, in the meantime, know and understand that the Pittsburgh Steelers probably, probably were already kind of a little bit in a healthy way looking forward to these games. Listen to this from Ben Roethlisberger yesterday on a topic really that had nothing to do with the Ravens and somehow ended up about them. It feels good. Uh, obviously, you, you, you want to be in, in this spot. You want to have these wins when you can. Um, obviously, a lot of our, our games have been at home, which you expect to win, but to go on the road twice um, and, and to come here to an AFC team that's undefeated as well um, and, and, and play them, it feels really good. Um, but, uh, you know, throw the rec- we, we know what's coming up next week. We can throw the records and all the other stuff out the window because uh, we've got a team coming off a bye that's, uh, you know, one of the best in football. That's cool. I like that. I, I, I love this series. Uh, there was a point in time – a few years back where it started to scare the daylights out of me, the way uh, guys were hitting each other and breaking noses and concussing everybody. And I was sure that at some point somebody was going to get really, really, really hurt in those meetings. But you don't have to manufacture anything here. That's the beauty of it. No one has to come on TV and say, the big rivalry. It's just known. It's just no. It's Steelers versus Ravens. It's the same two teams in this division for a decade and a half now. That's that's special stuff, you know? It's going to be a lot of fun. When we come back, I'm going to close with a little bit of baseball. Welcome back. The Dodgers beat the Rays 4-2 last night in Game 5 of the World Series down in Arlington, Texas. And they now have a 3-2 lead in the series, which means that they're one W away from their first championship since 1988. I know, I know. Break out the violins, right? Team with a quarter billion dollar payroll. But whatever. I'm sure that's the way it's going to get portrayed. I bring this up this morning only because I watched, and I hope you did too, although I doubt it based on the ratings, the most beautiful baseball game the other night. I'm talking, of course, about Game 4. This portion of Daily Shot is brought to you by the good folks at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, their ongoing drive can be found at growsharethrive.org. It's a special drive that they're having. If you contribute $10 to the food bank, there's an automatic $5 match. So whatever your ratio is, you put in 50 bucks 
Oh man, that's challenging my math. <laughs> you get the idea. Every ten bucks gets five. You do the math from there. The bottom line and the most important thing about this math is that one dollar provides enough food for up to five meals. That's not a joke, not a selling point. They will actually show you on the website how that works. GrowShareThrive.org The Dodgers and the Rays played what had to be one of the best World Series games, certainly one of the craziest in the history of the series. Uh, all kind of eight different lead changes. Runners all over the base paths. The pitching wasn't terrible. That's kind of the crazy part about that. Like Hitters were really squaring guys up, but you didn't see pitchers spraying or walking guys or anything like that. Hitters were just squaring up when they got pitches that they liked that were in the zone. That's what happens when you have two good hitting teams too, which is what both of them are. And yeah, there were a, a couple of home runs and there were some strikeouts and some walks, but there also were balls in play and runners on the base paths. And the way the game was won with, it was a line drive single into center. Center fielder misplays it. There's activity on the base paths. You're watching everything as a fan. You're watching the third base coach. You're watching the runners behind the play. You're watching who's setting up for the cutoff. You're watching the catcher's body language to see what he's setting up for. The throw comes in. The cutoff man gets it. Why did the cutoff man get it? Should it even have gone to the cutoff man? The cutoff man throws it home, throws it to the wrong side, forces the catcher to reach across his body, ball skips away from him. The runner coming from third to home pulls a Daniel Jones and falls on his face, but then he sees that the ball's gotten away. He gets up, scrapes himself off, dives into home plate, smacks home plate with his right open palm several times. His teammates are sprinting through the outfield. The guy who got the hit was a 202 lifetime hitter who'd spent a big, big chunk of his life in the minor leagues. He's doing this airplane thing, and his teammates are following him around the outfield. The dude who scored the run, who'd fallen on his face, is still lying there on his face at home plate while this is going on. It was a tremendous scene. It was all the good things that there are about baseball, even if Los Angeles butchered pretty much every aspect of that play defending it not least of which was Kenley Jansen giving up uh, another blown save and another loss as he's done all too often for them it, it was balls in play more than anything else it's exciting it's motion it's baseball meaning people are moving from base to base it's part of the strategy. It's part of the intrigue. Somehow, some way, Rob Manfred and Major League Baseball need to mitigate. That's not eliminate. It's mitigate. Three-outcome baseball, meaning home runs, 
strikeouts, and walks. There's more to the game. There's always been more to the game. The first half century of baseball's existence, we barely had anybody hitting a ball over a fence. It wasn't until Babe Ruth came along that that really became a thing. Now it's become the thing. And while it might have been interesting early in the steroids era before anybody was really willing to accept what we were actually watching, it's not anymore. Everybody hits a home run now. Everybody's a slugger. Colin Moran is a slugger. It's boring. All of it's boring. Put the ball in play. Let us get mesmerized by this beautiful game all over again. Hopefully, someday. Also, salary cap. I always have to put that in parentheses at the end. Also, salary cap. Thanks so much for listening to this one. Your front door. Your car. Your gym locker. Your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.